You are listening to Just Here for the Popcorn. I'm Kylie. And I'm Tom. Today, we're talking about Roald Dahl's The Witches. The brand new, what is it, 2019? No, it's 2020 technically, right? Yeah, no, definitely 2020. It was actually supposed to come out in theaters this month at the beginning, I think. And then that spot was taken by Wonder Woman, which was also moved to um, Christmas. Because no films are coming out really in theaters. Oh, a few. But no big films are coming out right now uh, in the multiplexes because they're either closed or th- these companies are afraid they're not going to make much money if they put them out there. So they're either put to streaming, a PVOD, or push back until next year. So it's, a, it's interesting watching of the news around all this. It definitely is. And I can see why this is one of them that uh, went straight to streaming. I, I don't think it's a secret that either of us were seriously disappointed in this movie. Like, we just kept exchanging looks the entire time we were watching it. And I had such high hopes, and I'm, I'm such a bummer. I had a great cast, you know? It's not like there's too many people you could shove into it, but, you know, Anne Hathaway's in this, uh, Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci. I knew that Chris Rock was going to be in it. I did not know Kristen Chenoweth was going to be in this film. And uh, Robert Zemeckis is the director. I'm, I'm getting into my facts. But like they have like a, a lot of talent going into this. And it's based off a classic. And it, I think the original one, which we can talk a little bit about, came out 30 years ago in 1990. That's interesting. Like on a anniversary year it comes out. It is. I guess it makes sense why they did it. And... I mean, f- full disclosure, this is a kid's book that was adapted into a kid's movie, but I can't remember if we've ever talked about this on the podcast before. I really appreciate smart kids' movies that aren't just for kids, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I expect when I see something. If you if you go to watch a Pixar movie, those are clearly made for children, but I can still find enjoyment and story and good character out of Pixar movies nine out of ten times, nine and a half out of ten times, actually, I'm going to say. And so it's really disappointing when you go to kind of watch something that, again, is a, you know, a classic. They've been adapting, rolled, or readapting, I guess, Roald Dahl stuff lately over the past few years. I have a such a soft spot for all the Roald Dahl stuff. Matilda is one of my absolute favorites. I very much related to Matilda when I was a kid. The, the last paper I ever wrote in college was for this class called The Modern Grotesque. And I took some like Roald Dahl books and talked about the grotesque nature of all of them because it is such a fascinating thing. These stories with grotesque elements that are made for children and there's all these like tropes of the evil adults and the, you know, the kids who are kind of always like the the underdog and somehow find these these unlikely allies and overcome what seems impossible and so on it's, it's not all like you know that straightforward it's not necessarily like there's a formula to them but just that kind of feeling that comes with the role doll books i had such high expectations from the source material even the original it wasn't great the original movie but you know i I still had high expectations for what was to come and the cast like there were so many good people involved there were so many good people behind the creation of this i seriously expected it not just to be a movie just 
for kids. So the source material, like, uh, I haven't read too many of his books, but, uh, or watched too many of his films. I've actually never heard of The Witches before this year. So Kylie and I make, you know, lists every year of films we want to watch. What is there going to be our top 10 films we're interested? Of course, those lists got thrown out the window with coronavirus. But a few films have come out that were on those lists. Maybe they made it in the theaters right at the beginning of the year, or they're put to streaming somehow. One of those films for you was The Witches. So we finally got to watch that. Without, with a little delay, it was supposed to come out in October anyway. And I remember the news for this coming very, like, it was only a few weeks ago. It's like, yep, we're just going to put it on HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max can use the subscribers because it's a new streaming service and it's well behind Disney even though it's got that HBO catalog, and no one's even close to where Netflix is at this point. But that's a different discussion. And we just happened to watch The Witches on Netflix a few weeks ago, so I already had an impression of what this story was going to be like. And the, the beats are pretty similar. There's nothing too different. But, the, well, in terms of story beats, there's nothing different. I, there's, there's a lot going on here. There's elements that I like, but there's a lot of elements I do not like. I don't want to get too much into it before we start. Yeah, I guess we can dive in. You can hit us with the popcorn facts, but first I'll just make sure (laughs) to be clear, there will be spoilers to the 2020 version of The Witches. If we're being honest with ourselves, if you've seen the original Witches, this is not much different, so feel free to listen in. Uh, if you are curious about the movie and don't really want to watch it because it's a disappointment, join us for this discussion. We'll be happy to talk about it. But just be warned if you do want to watch it, put a pause here and go check it out on HBO Max and then come back and let us know what you think too. We link our email in the show notes for every episode. So feel free to email us and let us know, especially if you have a different opinion. I'd love to hear. But just with those fast facts, babe. So this film is Roald Dahl's The Witches, released October 22nd, 2020. I couldn't find any budget information on this. Maybe if I looked a little harder, I could have. But there's no box office amount. It's re- released in select theaters internationally, but I don't think really in the U.S. Movie competition, it's not like our other films. Except maybe Mulan, which came out beginning of September. I guess what I can say is on PVOD, you know, you can purchase this there's a movie called love and monsters that just came out i'm just hearing a lot of buzz about that i think it's like halloween themed netflix it feels like there's something new happening there every weekend they're on fire they have a tv show haunting a blind manor we're in the middle of that we love that right oh yeah so good another good like halloween watch they have hubie halloween adam sandler flick i haven't watched that yet but it's popular in netflix and then they have two other films, Rebecca and The Trial of the Chicago 7. At that, I'm very interested in. Um, the director was Robert Zemeckis. You might know him from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Death Becomes Her, Forrest Gump, Polar Express, Christmas Carol. You can see he's got affinity for working with animation and live action together. And most importantly, the Back to the Future trilogy. So he also helped write this with Kenya Barris and Guillermo del Toro. So that that's quite the behind-the-scenes staff to have on this. What happened, guys? What happened? I don't know. And on on the screen, you have Anne Hathaway is a Grand High Witch. Who played her in the original one? It was Angelica Houston, right? Octavia Spencer plays Grandmother. Grandmother doesn't have a name, right? Same with the boy. They do not. 
their names are not revealed, right? Yeah, I think it's just grandmother, and, and and perhaps that's the way that it was in the books, and they wanted to keep it the same. It feels very odd to me not to name the characters, um, especially when you're given the opportunity to share a fresh take on it. And it's like they went part of the way there. I'll give them that, but they didn't finish. And even just giving the fucking characters names could have been something uh stanley tucci plays mr stringer who is the hotel manager the fucking hotel manager gets a name and he barely did anything okay well i'll, I'll slow down and we can get into it but i have a lot of feelings about this and rowan atkinson played him in the original i thought that he, rowan atkinson did a good job i don't think stanley tucci got that much to do besides kids movie antics oh just wait we will talk about it. Jazir Bruno played the boy, and Chris Rock played the older version of the boy and also the narrator. Alan Silvestri did the score. He's worked on various Robert Zemeckis films. He's also worked on Father of the Bride. And I could tell while watching this film, I can close my eyes at a few moments, maybe because I wanted to, but uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like an Avengers film because he scored the Avengers. It sounded very much like that. If we had a report card for this movie, I'd say in score, it would do pretty well, unlike many other things in this movie. Like uh, we already said, like the talent for this movie, both on screen and off the screen, is there. There's no question there. And they even have a good company funding them, Warner Brothers. We watch this on HBO Max. The runtime was one hour and 45 minutes. It felt short and long at the same time. I'm so glad when it was over, but I, I did stop at certain points like, oh, this far in but when they get to a certain scene because I, I know the beats now it's like okay okay we're, we're getting close to the end so let's get into this movie it's such a shame that you have to like say like oh i know the beats i know what's going to happen because i strongly feel like when you do a remake of something you need to reinvent it and for the most part the beginning looked like they were reinventing it it, it opens up with you hear chris rock narrating i actually didn't know he was going to be in it so i was like wait a minute is that chris rock he's narrating it almost like feels like he's a teacher giving a lecture in school you don't quite know what's happening there's a bunch of kids there and he's explaining that witches are real and he tells you what you need to know about the witches he gives a little bit mainly that they're they're real and they they come after children they hate children it's interesting they use a lot of like Maybe they made these photos for the film, but they look like stock footage. Uh, and then it had almost like a kid's animation of what certain aspects of a witch would look like. And then you kind of just jump into the film. So, so it goes back to like 1968, which is always interesting to like bring it to a time like that because there's you no know, cell phones, technology isn't what it was. So it gives another feeling to the story. And especially when there's like, conflict or tension and there's no easy technology way to get out of it it's definitely interesting and i appreciate you know movies and tv shows that do that nowadays and kind of make you see it a little different i do really love when he's talking about what happened to his parents you see him in the car and it flips around you can see it's snowy and you can see what actually happened i thought that that was a really brilliant scene and it got me excited going into this. I was like, this is going to be cool. I love that visual because it looks like the snow's going backwards. And, you know, it's like moving kind of in slow motion. And the boy is just kind of spacey, kind of not understanding what's going on. And then you realize he's actually upside down because there was a car crash. He saw it's like around Christmas time, the slippery roads, you know, his parents are dead. All happens off screen. I love that's a great way to start it. This is it. how his grandmother enters in to take care of him. She will be his caretaker now. 
I love Octavia Spencer. I think she is brilliant and she's such a versatile actress. Like I think she can play a lot of different roles and, and do them well. I recently just saw her in um, the Madam C.J. Walker uh, miniseries that they did on Netflix. Self-made and her in that role, so, so good, so brilliant. I love her and everything. And I, I really did love her as the grandmother in this role. And I love how they reinvented the backstory of these two characters they put them in alabama i think the original movie and and probably the book took place um in the uk somewhere and i almost feel like that's traditionally like okay old you know witches would come from the uk but then they're putting them in this very real you know setting in the states just any old witch living down the street you know even in somewhere like Demopolis, Alabama. And I thought that that was pretty cool. And then you, you, before you even really get to dive into the witches coming into this story, you get to see the story of a boy and his grief. Um, You see, like, he doesn't want to talk, but it, and if he does talk, he's not, like, interested in, like, his grandmother's trying to cheer him up, finding ways to, like, break down his grief, not telling him not to feel sad, but in a sense cheering him up. She gets him, you know, certain types of food, uh, asks him to try cornbread, which is really good. I had cornbread this weekend. Coincidentally, it's, it's also really good. It's essentially, it is cake, yeah. <laughs> oh, she puts on a record for him to get him to dance, and he doesn't want to do that. She's patient with him, too, which is, you know, nice to see, like, almost trying to to try new things and see what's going to work to kind of pull him from his grief but i thought it was interesting too that you know right after his parents died he goes into his mom's old bedroom growing up and of course he like you know kind of looks a little out of place there but also all of these photos of his parents of his mom growing up are sitting around this room so he he's just kind of faced with that and surrounded by the parents that he's missing that struck me that he has he looks at them all the time and is reminded of what he's lost it's an interesting dynamic to have you see both sides of loss right i think the grandmother holds it up very well but she lost her daughter at the same time the boy lost his mother but they both have that shared connection of grief together i guess the difference between the boy and his grandmother is she's had many years to know what life not being fair is maybe she has tougher skin to it even if it's family his parents are all he knows that's his world and the best she can do is teach him to embrace that life isn't fair and learn to embrace the good things that he can have in life there are like a few small moments where religion comes into play and this is one of them where she says that it, you know, if, if God chose to to take them, then that's His plan, and she wasn't going to question it. It's interesting the like magic component and then the religion component because usually you don't see the two of those. I think work together. I'd say like they tend to be opposite. But what was interesting about this adaptation, and I think that this was one thing that they did really well. The grandmother kind of had her own magic after her experience. She's like an herbalist or I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember like what the word that they use, but it was almost like she's a good witch and has her own ways. It was such a small part, though, that that could have been like like her just picking up an herb off of the grocery store and eating it to try to help her with her cough and like that random secret room that she had. I like where they were going with it, but I don't think they finished going where they needed to go with it. They introduced it 
And then you thought it might be part of the story, but then it, like a payoff that they were trying to build up to, they just nerfed that. And then after that, she's not using any sort of magic. So you thought like, oh, maybe her ability as a healer could help later in the story, but it doesn't. I thought it was interesting because she has this cough. And I assume she coughs into a handkerchief of hers and looks down and it doesn't show to the audience, but seen this in other stories where you know you know someone's dying when they cough into something and you see blood i'm assuming that's what she saw and maybe she's like terminally ill that's what i thought too yeah uh and i also thought it was interesting so if she's a healer she can you know help people but she can't help herself like that's like an interesting dynamic right there and that's where there was room to really explore these characters they did a little bit with the boy's grief and a little bit with the grandmother, but not enough to make this stand on its own or be something unique. The second he moves out of this heavy grief phase, they go to that store and he's got the mouse and he's, you know, trying to take care of the mouse, wants to build a house for her. And that's when he meets his first witch. And then all of a sudden the story shifts from a boy and his grief and overcoming that to, wait a minute. There are evil women in the world. Let's go somewhere else to get away from them. Oh, wait. Conveniently, the hotel we picked to get away from them is where they're hosting the conference. I was interested in their choice to, like, oh, we see a witch and now they're on to us. Because that's what leads her to tell her story as a kid where her her friend uh, gets turned into a chicken. When the transformation started, because I didn't know how it was going to end, you see the, the girl wake up after... Uh, to take it back a step you see her friend get led in with near the train station with all smoke from the the train and you see a woman like kneeling down and handing her friend something and she turns and looks at grandma when she was a little girl and she has that smile and all you notice all witches have like lines on the sides of their faces like the joker from you know the dark knight joker there's something very sinister about that so like in the beginning they they really do feel a little sinister especially because they want to harm children <laughs> just like dr sleep in the beginning of the transformation for grandma's friend she she's got like a lump on the the side of her face and it looks like it's gonna be like traumatic like body horror type stuff and then within seconds turns right into camp it's like oh that's a beak and then as she's midway through transforming it's like oh okay it is a kid's film so you can't judge it through the lens of like okay this could be a mature storytelling however there's a difference between just a pure kid's film and a kid's film that has like an undercurrent of good writing underneath like it's a story that appeals to kids but it, there's also like a good well-written story in between you know like flowing through this mm -hmm. I, I really didn't feel like it had that and it was really going for the cheap humor that oh it's a kid's film so you can get away with that but you know us watching it's very it's very poor <laughs> but i don't understand why there's a need to create kids movies that are just cheap humor because i i mean why why does why do we need just cheap humor to make kids laugh i think something a lot smarter is going to get a better laugh this scene didn't need a laugh i don't need to to laugh that her friend got taken and transformed into something or taken by this witch because that's not a funny thing that's a fucking scary thing i'll say that in the original movie and i think i'm, I'm full disclosure i'm pretty sure i own the witch's book but i don't think i've read it i have read james and the giant peach the charlie and the chocolate factory matilda I don't think I ever got around to reading The Witches because the, fir the first time I saw that movie, it was like really kind of fucked up because um, it is a very creepy movie. The story that the grandmother in the original tells with her experience with witches 
is that the witch in her town took a little girl and put her in the painting in her own home. And every day, that little girl would move to a new position. And every year, she would get older and older until one day, she disappeared out of that painting because she died. She was trapped in a fucking painting, not turned into a chicken who laid green eggs that were the most delicious eggs in the entire world. Like, what? Yeah, it was very, like, kitschy. And there was something in the original to... There was a, a sense of danger, not just in a sort of campy kind of way, but that these witches could do serious harm, and especially how their eyes would like glow purple. Like there's something devious underneath. The best these witches had was um, the scars. That's like it was the only feature of the witches I liked here that wasn't in the original. It was creepy. I will say though, like if you're the hotel manager being the host to this conference for this group that helps save children and all of these women have strange scars on their lips like you'd have to wonder like is this some weird initiation right as part of the group or what's going on there maybe people don't actually question it that seems a little like whereas they can hide the bald heads with the wigs or their feet with shoes and hands with gloves that seems a little too obvious to have something so physical that's constantly there to identify them. So during the story, she even mentions that there's a grand high witch with rumors that she, you know, was hatched out of like somewhere in the, the frozen tundra of Norway, which I like that because that ties back to the original story, right? Where the grandmother and the original is from Norway. And then so she realizes, oh, like if a witch has seen us, that means they know where we are. So we have to just get away. I like that transition that they had to move. And then they just go to this hotel. This is like a grand one and still in Alabama though. And they get there and I love how it's like a few people, like including the bellhop were confused why she was there. It's like, oh no, I'm like a paying customer here. I'm ready to check in. You're going to take my bag? Stop looking at me like that. And even the hotel manager is like, saying like weird things to them it's like okay we're gonna go to our room now Stanley Tucci was wasted here I'm gonna be honest it, it was such a waste but I did you're right I like how she kind of like put them all in their place like she wasn't going to stand for their racism by making the assumptions that they did she knew exactly why she was there and she knew that she more than deserved to be there and I think that that's what makes the grandmother a relatively strong character there's definitely more that could have been flushed out there but partially Octavia Spencer and partially how she was written as a strong character she stood out a little bit more so they go to the room and at the same time the witches show up Anne Hathaway uh, has this all over the place uh, Norwegian accent <laughs> very outrageous very campy I'm hoping she had a good time playing this role I guess when actors put on get to put on an accent like that they get to have a lot of fun she really like chewed her scenery very much reminded me of like Frau Forbissena <laughs> like her accent like it was very like is that like Russian is that then you can hear like oh that sounds like Norwegian but it just jumps all over the place Frau Forbissena whatever from Austin Powers was purposefully done for comedy in a movie that's literally stupid humor, not something that could potentially have depth. There, there wasn't as much terror to her. Now, I will say Angelica Houston had an edge of camp to her, but there was a menace behind that. Here, it's like it. And, uh, you know, to be honest, like, not every portrayal of the same character should be exactly the same. That's what gives it nuance, but doesn't mean you have to like every version. Yeah, uh, I, I was thrown off about it. Uh, I do like Anne Hathaway's actress. I, I know a lot of people don't like her for some reason, but uh, it just, this one didn't work for me. I did like how they compared kids to rats and that 
rats should be exterminated, right? So that's the way to get rid of the kids by making them rats because that's how they view them. They just need to be exterminated. And of course, they have snakes as their familiars, their adornments. Like in addition to snakes, there was also a cat that was kind of her familiar too. I will say that one thing that they like, it, it, it didn't do it justice, but like when they're walking into the hotel, the grandmother says, we're safe here because witches only prey on the poor kids because they're the ones who no one will make a fuss about. I mean, I, I thought that was an odd statement, especially because the other kid in the story is a well-off kid who ultimately in the end, his parents don't care what happened to him. They just let him go. That kid was a glutton and you know, be beyond well off. And he is the one that is forgotten about. They, they drop it there though, because the entire objective of the witches is to eliminate all children, opening up the sweet shop, not discriminating against, you know, poor rich kids. They just want kids gone. So she said this thing and then they never fully explored it or saw that throughout the movie. I mean, you see Daisy, we can get into Daisy, but like she's an orphan and escaped from foster care or something like that or got taken out of foster care by the witches in order to for this to happen but that line doesn't make sense if it's not going to be further explored in this and i don't think either way it made sense whether or not they were trying to make a point that no any kid could get taken look at this you know kid whose family has everything and they completely forget about him or are happy to send him away as a mouse if he's not what they expect him to be so i i don't know there yeah i remember that being introduced like oh that's an interesting point but then they don't do anything else with that right and bruno jenkins is uh i thought this in the original is augustus glute 2.0 which makes sense because they're both role doll characters i thought was interesting is uh when grandmother is telling the boy it's n nighttime and it's raining about all these witches deformities i did like the touch of in the rain using the the silhouette of the raindrops as like oh this is their noses are bigger or their hands are like talons like all these little effects I'm like i like it when it's like that but however throughout this film they chose repeatedly to go with digital effects over practical and given the time 1990 that you really couldn't do digital effects so they had to go practical i really appreciate the practical effects because while i can tell sometimes it's fake either way there's something more real, more grounded about having the practical effects. It feels like I can touch that. The digital one's like, this was made elsewhere. That wasn't actually done in this scene. Anyone turns into a rat, especially the boy, as we're going to get to, when he's transforming, it's supposed to meant to be like creepier or like this grand scene. And just to like, I'm watching a video game right now. Or it feels like I'm in the middle of like a roller coaster ride. And this is like one thing that's popping out on me. Not meant to be that real, but it's a ride, you know. It just felt so fake to me. A lot of the effects, and they use a lot because they need to have talking mice and they need to have chis with their mouths spread open. There's a couple effects that really worked well, but I say like three out of five cases, the CGI did not work and it's apparent. And when you're already not trusting the movie, the CGI is bad. Just add, there's another reason to not like the film. So another thing that they added to this i'm not entirely sure how i felt about it i think i like the idea of it but the mouse that the boy has is a kid that had been turned into a mouse already so 
in the original that obviously wasn't the case the mice were just mice so this was a cool new thing to add but what really got under my skin and love Kristen Chenoweth she's amazing but this was not the role for her she was supposed to be playing a child and she doesn't have a child voice so that doesn't make sense here and that really took me out of it. it it's such an interesting you know turn that the mouse that he ends up with is a, another kid great but but give that role to a kid where it 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 makes sense i don't know why that bothered me so much but it really did i think i can explain away because later on at the end of the film he has chris rock's voice so maybe she's not uh as like freshly turned maybe she's been a mouse for a little while no she said it it happened recently oh like, okay it was a never new mind thing. then no that's a, that's a good point if she said recently then no yeah, it does not make sense. So, I mean, obviously they can go to the grandmother and she'd be willing to help. She's seen some shit in her life and she's got her own kind of magic and her travel potion kit, for lack of a better term. So she can help them if they go and get the potion from the witch, which was, I, th I think I like it. The scene lost me a little bit. I wasn't fully paying attention because it wasn't, anything unique or inventive we had to get away from the cat the mouse traps all of these basic things that you would expect and oh wait she's right there she has him up oh, it's okay there's a distraction she lets him go and they go on to try to make the antidote for this i do like that they can't get it especially right away because i mean that's it's too easy of course to if they were to be able to get it right away but they fucking try once <laughs> like that's it oh you mean when grandma tries to like tinker with the the potion or yeah she's trying to make an antidote to turn them back and it doesn't work and it feels like they just give up entirely instead of trying to find an actual solution which i thought was going to happen by the end i think that could have made the film very different if they let's not just jump to the pea soup part you know let's really give it a go versus like a scene that very well could have been a deleted scene not that there's much <laughs> bones on this movie anyway but i don't know it's like a storyline that went nowhere like at that point does a grandma even need to have a special ability if you're not gonna use it right and then her cough doesn't go anywhere either so she doesn't it's not like she needs that ability for that i want to talk about that cough later but uh so one thing that i thought was cool for a little bit until they hit you over the head with it is oh you know the grandmother and the boy are staying room 766 it's like i almost want them to be 666 and of course staying beneath them because that they have to be she has to be right beneath them in order to for the story to work is the grand high witch at 666 right and they say it like a few times and it felt like they're like dumbing it down for the, ch the children audience assuming they wouldn't get it that's like another thing that's like this film is very dumbed down very watered down oh and um, that's that is a very brilliant point that you make there when i was in college i worked as a children's bookseller so i had a lot of opportunity to read children's books of all kinds and ones that dumb it down or try to explain it to children or you want to just pass it off as well that's a kid's book there's nothing inventive there those aren't worth anything the stories that talk to kids like they're not stupid that let you figure it out that take you on that adventure with them and you get to actually like you know you're not spoon-fed everything like those are stories that really 
have a place. Those are the ones that stick with you, not that like, you know, easy, like the fast food of books or fast food of movies for kids where it's just... That's exactly what this movie felt like. It had a great start because it's trying to be different than the original, but then turned into, you know, crap, crap. Oh, absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I have my fair share of experience with like children's books and, um, I, I don't I don't have patience for for stories that are going to do that that are just too easy or too convenient. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is the main character. I, I guess he's the main character, but the grandma also is, and then we're also following the witch. So it starts with him and then doesn't I don't know. It, it moves around a little bit. It, clearly, in the beginning, he's ex- he's going through grief. And when he comes out of that, he's a little bit more, you know, he's got a little bit more of a personality. He's excited about his mice, but it isn't until he actually becomes a mouse that he like is more expressive and (laughs) no pun intended animated. And like, it seems like there's actually a personality there and perhaps it was a purposeful choice. Maybe that's what he belongs as or he as a mouse he is better off but it just it felt like a shift in character entirely and i wasn't a huge fan of that i did like the sentiment that um as soon when he turned into mouse and they reunite with his grandmother and who immediately accepts okay this is my grandson and bruno transformed and daisy who's also you know just like them when they come up with a plot to steal some of the potion from the grand high witch who lives right underneath them like the grandmother assumes that he's going to be scared and he's like oh little things don't scare me anymore i because i'm little now it's like okay i really i like that line but maybe was it deserved because he literally just got turned like an hour ago and there's mouse traps all over the place now and then people trying to like if they see him they will literally try to step on him and you know all the witches i I do like that line though and i i do like the bond he has with this grandmother i find it very endearing you know and i think that if there's one good thing to take away from this film it is that is the relationship he has that family bond he has with this grandmother oh and then he says to her too which was like oh this this one does hit you in the feels when he says i don't have to learn how to drive which means i can't get into an accident so i mean that clearly that's like still haunting him losing his parents this is another thing like starting with the grief i feel like that could have been continued throughout and part of the story part of his character and what influences him as well because i mean perhaps that's the fear that he has to overcome as a mouse you don't have to to deal with any of these these human things but then are you keeping yourself safe or keeping yourself in your comfort zone and not having to actually face these real life problems that you should and i think that would have been an interesting angle too i actually think there's a ton of different angles that they could have explored here but where they're really missing is building up these characters they started that process and then they're like putting those like they're trying to fit those into the box of this story yeah they they didn't I mean, not that the original did, but I think this story tried to display the grief he had over losing his parents, and that was kind of dropped by the the first act. And I I, I saw that too with the, the whole driving the car, and I think it would have umped the power of this movie by still having that, bringing it back in as like a through line throughout this story, the story of grief um, and how things are not fair, but you have to embrace life nonetheless. Well, see, that's the point, and you and I both had 
a really hard time coming up with notes. I know like before we sat down to talk about this, we said that, that it was really hard to take notes on this because a lot of the times when we watch and reflect on these movies we're looking at what's going on deeper what's going on with the characters what's what's actually happening in the plot and what are we picking up on as human beings with real life experiences too and this story is seriously lacking that and that's why like i'm sure this is probably going to be our shortest reflection at, at since we started there's not too much to do i feel like a lot of what we're talking about here is where they could have explored more depth or where we wanted to see more depth because that's what we're looking for going into this kind of story yeah and there's like again you know only the first act really has that depth kind of like character building and acts two and three really just retreads of the original you know story done in a way that's kind of trying to show off special effects or not really because it looks like they took a very quick way out and cgi felt rushed to me it felt like ah, that didn't feel complete to me it felt fake you see Anne Hathaway flying while all the witches are running around trying to step on the mouse while she's talking or something it's like this doesn't feel real at all to me it looks like she was filmed elsewhere on a green screen and then superimposed on top of the, this original shot. And then she randomly has powers like that don't seem to make sense. Like it's not clear what the boundaries are for these witches. If it's so easy for them to do crazy shit like that, why is it so hard for them to actually get kids? And then she's like reaching through the vent and her hands bend and go forward and that's how she's also trying to like attack the grandmother later but she also has super strength and just fucking picks up a podium and tosses it throws a table and first off the manager who barely has a role doesn't really need to actually be in this movie i feel like at least Rowan Atkinson had like there was more comedic beats. He was the comedic relief in the original movie, and that's what it needed. It doesn't need comedy, comedy, comedy. And there's got to be more to the story. When Stanley Tucci came in, he wasn't even comedic relief in any sense. Their sense of comedy was uh, for Stanley Tucci, a mouse biting his man parts, and for Anne Hathaway, you know accents and she gets the mousetrap on her foot at the end her screaming like you know your typical like oh i think even home alone is like guilty of this like comedy is the the bad guys get hurt and they scream it's like slapstick humor that's what they went with they went for the low-hanging fruit here and just ah they they had some like weird original material here and that they chose to make it the most generic crap i've ever seen anyway we get to like the supposed finale, which is, I just put dinner time down there, but uh, he's got the potion and one scene I really do like, he's got it and he's got to throw it into the, the pea soup, right? Which the witches uh, said, no garlic, garlic joke was stupid. You know, like, oh, my accent's so, you know, strange that you can't recognize him saying garlic. He takes off the cork and sees if he can drop it in and doesn't get in. So it's like, oh crap, I have to like get out. I can't just throw it from the ledge i'm on on top of uh, he's in the kitchens now how how can he do it he needs to get one of those ladles but goes out puts the potion on the edge of the the handle part of the ladle and like inches it out just to slip it in and all the the chefs are moving around if they turn toward him then he has to like stop what he's doing but then luckily there's like a grease fire which sounds terrifying that's the most terrifying it's like how are they gonna put out the grease fire course the lead chef is this like obnoxious french guy so as they're putting out the fire he finally puts it in and like the 
the container goes in with it, the vial, and, you know, turns purple for a second, turns back to green. Of course, most of the witches start to eat it. Octavia Spencer's grandmother orders it, but they're like, oh no, that's only for the private party, and there's no garlic in it, so it's you, you can't eat it. It's just horrible. It's like no flavor in it. Was that supposed to be funny or was that to confirm that nobody else at this hotel was going to get turned into a rat because they ate the soup? I think they had something in the original where someone could have, which is Bruno's father. But uh, here, you know, like uh, she quickly catches on. She knows, though. Doesn't she know that's what, how, what her, her grandson's about to do? Yeah. But so that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, is she asking him just to confirm that nobody else can order that soup and nobody else is going to turn into a rat? Or is it supposed to just be funny? It's like, haha, there's no taste to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's maybe just like a joke on the reflection of the witches. We're probably thinking too hard about yeah. it because it's not yeah, that this clever. Is not, I don't know if it's, there's any deeper meaning to it. Maybe it was just a punchline. One thing I do like leading into the scene is uh so she goes to bruno's parents and of course it's the same like they're get that rat away from me it's like uh she's trying to present bruno as a, a mouse to the parents and they start screaming and running off uh but then the hotel manager goes up to her it's like do you have rats on your person right now and she's like no and if i were to see a rat with the money i'm paying you know like she turns it on him you know i bit like i pay a lot of money to come here i don't want to see any rats here and you best make sure there aren't any. And then she gets seated because of that uh, at the their restaurant. And like Stanley Tucci's a punching bag. Ron Atkinson was a punching bag, but at least his scenes were funny. Yeah. But Stanley Tucci's like... Agreed on that. Okay, so the other thing is Bruno's parents. In the original, they had a little bit more like kind of build up to them. Like you understood that Bruno's dad was just an asshole. Like I think he was like flirting with the witches at some point and then demands he has this soup that they have like because that's just the kind of person he is yet those two still take the mouse bruno home and this time they don't which we can get to in a second but i get that they didn't want to have a clean ending by being able to turn them from mice but it was still a clean ending like oh the three of us get to be mice together and ride roller coasters for the rest of our lives and save everybody from witches yeah we'll get to that ending i do like here that they decided not to have the grand high witch drink the soup she got distracted because she recognized and finally realized where she knows octavia spencer from you're the little girl with the pigtails i thought that was a, a good scene the one of the rare moments in this film where anne hathaway is actually intimidating as the witch as she walks right up to her tables like you uh, but then she ruins it by doing the chicken impression you think that she's actually she drank the soup so she's about to turn but then she sees all her cohorts go up very interesting actually not that interesting that they like it's like they're fireworks they're just changing well like the purple smoke comes out of them just like in the other film but then they they blow up and it's just, just a cgi mess and then the hotel manager comes in and they're trying to take out all the rats it's interesting when some of the witches turn into rats other witches before they turn are trying to take out the the new rats right i don't yeah it didn't make sense yeah i don't know is it like, it's very clear, like, that was a former witch. And, of course, they're more grotesque looking. Like, they have, like, boils on their skin. And they're, like, all, like, aggressive. They're screeching everywhere. Patches of hair. Yeah. And, yeah. I think what I felt about this scene was I wanted the Grand High Witch to have eaten the soup just so that it would end there. Because I was over this movie at that point. But that's not the end. They steal the key from her purse when she's, you know, 
taunting Octavia Spencer and then they go up to her room to get the rest of the potions and the cash and of course the witch comes back and they have this very gimmicky plan of like how they're gonna feed the potion to her with the mouse traps. you already said very slapsticky kind of humor and the potion bottle lands directly in her mouth down her throat and then the voice grabs on her wig and safely floats to the ground he's fine and that's that she turns into a rat she gets put in like a clear champagne bucket and oh that cat that you were a bitch to earlier well we're gonna let him out i like that ending for her i did as like all the books like start to come off because they trap her in and weigh it down with books so she can't get out she almost looks like radigan from the great mouse detective yeah. yeah i um i can see that but i to be honest, though, I didn't like the other cats just like knocking books off easily. Like it just, it felt too easy, and it was like supposed to be more moments for humor when she's like begging, like "Nice kitty, good kitty, don't hurt me." I, I didn't mind that scene. I actually liked that ending for her. Just everything else didn't work for me. Most of everything else. There's a couple good scenes in here, but the CGI, low attempts at humor. And kind of like dumbing it down for the audience. Not doing anything original besides the first act. Bruno's parents just let him go because they're not mouse people. Okay, like, what? I don't, that didn't make sense to me. Also, the fact, like I brought this up before, the fact that they didn't try to find another antidote. It's like, let's just all live happily ever after and be mice together. Oh, and you know what's great? I'm going to die when you die because I'm a mouse and I have a shortened lifespan and that's okay that again that it just it didn't make sense this is a kid with his whole life ahead of him struggling with grief and losing his parents and oh okay it's fixed because i'm a mouse and i'm happier as a mouse because i don't have people problems when i'm a mouse toward the end they had a conversation like oh wouldn't that be great if we died around the same time however like uh, octavia spencer is like oh wouldn't that be nice but she knows like no one can determine when they're gonna go and i felt when she said that like she knew her time was close to being over yet it shows them going on these like road trips to kill all these witches i mean it's just like photos of them like oh 1978 look at us having fun the bad puns the bad mice puns that was ridiculous that was not necessary at all oh i I missed that that part really ran it down all those postcards had like really bad mouse puns on them that ran this movie that was already in the ground even deeper into it it was just it was too stupid and you think the movie's over because it goes to credits right and then they have the credits oh yeah i almost forgot chris rock was narrating this film they totally forgot it like they just they could have ended this film i wouldn't have cared they have the scene that goes back to it and of course chris rock uh, like he's now an older mouse with gray hair he's talking to the kids like a kid army uh, through this powerpoint projector and uh, he tells them to go fight the good fight because they have all the potion uh and like he talks to octavia spencer if he's ready for this uh, w- one last thing i will say that i like is uh, after they defeat the grand high witch they see all for money Octavia Spencer only takes one of it. And she uses a lot of it on just tipping the staff. They took all of that money. Oh, they did. Because they're going to use that to travel all over to find the witches with that book. So they took everything. She put that in her purse. I thought that was great that she tipped everybody who well deserved it and probably doesn't get like tipped enough by the snooty people who actually attend there. So that was like 
a, a nice gesture that she did and it was a true testament to her character as an, a genuinely good person the whole thing with like rounding up this kid army to find witches and turn them into rats I, and what like this is a dangerous potion that could literally turn anybody into rats okay and I, i'm saying that we should you know be real with kids talk smarter than to them they're they're better than stupid humor but does that really mean that we want to put a dangerous potion in a kid's hand and have them go up to a witch to try to put it in there to try to get one over on a witch and turn her into a mouse like that sounds really dangerous and like you're literally putting kids in harm's way by doing that the same witches who can elongate their hands and i mean while they go after kids they certainly could kill an adult you saw how anne hathaway was ready to kill octavia spencer by ripping her heart out but yeah here kid take this potion good luck <laughs> i never thought this would happen that there would be like a bad movie that we just agreed upon and it's kind of like so we decided recently that we were going to review this because we had been excited for the witches we had watched the original one just serendipitously watched that beforehand we're like oh this is gonna be good and we can talk about both and it was such a bummer like i don't know let us know if you feel like you enjoy hearing about the movies that we also really really didn't like like no saving grace whatsoever small pieces that work but like not a whole ton going on because i if if in the future if this doesn't appeal then you know we can always pick another movie i feel like there's gonna be some bad movies that could be fun to talk about i feel like the star wars trilogy the prequels uh Batman and Robin, like those kinds of films, that's going to be fun to talk about. Maybe even Tommy Wiseau's The Room, like that, those are fun. This felt like, ugh, like I, I, did, I didn't have fun watching this. It was hard for me to take notes because I just wanted, I was just thinking about when can I stop watching this? When can we go back to watching Blind Manor? You know, that kind of thing. I agree with you. Do you want to talk about a notable character if you have one? I think there is one because uh, Octavia Spencer did have time to shine. She's probably the most developed character. A little bit to the boy, but definitely grandma. Uh, her ability to stand up to evil witches um, and rude people at the hotel. You know, she doesn't like shy away from people who are trying to knock her down. Um, and she takes care of her grandson, you know, and the other mice at the end. <laughs> uh, but she, I love that she did have the ability to heal as a healer, even though they didn't really use it that much. But then... I thought they were going to go somewhere with it where, you know, she can't heal herself, but she has the ability to heal others, like maybe her grandson and co. But she's able to survive all those years later, even though she, you know, looked like she was terminally ill. So uh, they just dropped that as well. Granted, someone with a terminal illness could live, you know, years and years and years beside, you know, beyond what people thought they would live. But still, she looked fine, you know, in the post credit scene. So I, I, I don't know. That's a good point. We did not actually end up talking about that. It's like it came into the story when it was needed. Like, oh, no, she's sick. And then you forget about it. And then like she's talking to Anne Hathaway and then she starts coughing again. And it, it's like only when it's convenient for her to be sick for the plot that it comes up. This this whole story just I, I love the talent, you know the writers, the, the direction, and the, the actors. But 
I just felt phoned in. What the hell happened here? Uh, and if you like this, I'm glad. You know, like, if someone likes a film, I never want to tell you you're wrong for liking that, you know. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Even if they know it's a bad film, it's a more of a guilty pleasure. Good. Enjoy that film. Enjoy that TV show. We did not like this movie. Let us know, like, if you did like it. I really want to hear what you liked about it because I, I, I love difference of opinions. I think that's great. I think it opens up the door for conversation, but it also opens up the door for thinking about things differently. So if there's things in this movie that you loved or if you completely disagree with us, I would be so happy to hear that because I want to hear a different perspective on why you thought it was good. So, again, email and link in show notes. We're at... Well, we're just here for the popcorn podcast at gmail.com. It's a little bit of a mouthful there, but we would be happy to read that and respond. And if you do send us one, we'll read it in the next episode. Forgot to ask you a couple questions. Was there a notable character for you or? Yeah, I'm agreeing with you on that. It's, um, I think it's primarily because of Octavia Spencer, but yeah, the grandmother character, she was the standout one. She was the notable character. I honestly don't think you could make anybody else the notable character because none of them had enough to do. But I really liked that she had was kind of this like good witch character. This experience when she was a kid with her friend influenced how she, you know, learned about all the stuff and took care of herself. You could maybe argue that that's why she gets better. Or that's why her cough goes in and out, perhaps. It was really sweet to see her try to cheer up her grandson. She was so patient with him while he was grieving. And she just kind of tested the waters a couple times to see what he needed. The like record she put on, like all of the music in this was really good too. I didn't bring that up earlier, but I really liked the music. And she had her own grief through all of this. And she still helped her grandson. And protecting him was her priority. That's why they went to the hotel. That's why she went up against the Grand High Witch and all that so I'm, I'm with you on that and can we say our answer at the same time we've been saying this whole time what are we saying plot or popcorn today popcorn, popcorn. yeah <laughs> uh we didn't have popcorn today but it would have we would have gone for the popcorn i was so full from dinner i was thinking about the popcorn that was in the pantry i was like i should get this just because this is a popcorn movie so okay so that's the witch that's my first popcorn yeah, this is your first popcorn, which is funny because I think earlier today I said, I look forward to the opportunity when it's a popcorn movie for you. And towards the end of this movie, I was like, well, I got my wish. And I love how you didn't even need to get to this episode to figure that out. You, you can tell we both looked at each other like this. This. What is this? What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, don't forget to subscribe to be notified of the next episode coming out. We actually have a special edition one coming out next week. I'm just calling it that because um, <laughs> November 2nd is our one-year wedding anniversary. So in honor of that, that week we will be releasing a wedding-themed movie reflection. And we're going to try to do that every year, reflecting on a wedding-themed movie this year we chose Wedding Crashers because we wanted to go with something funny. We've actually both seen that movie, but never together. So it'll be really interesting to have that conversation. I'm really excited for this one. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you uh, next time. Bye. Bye.